today. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 23 to 27. Amen. The book of Proverbs is a wonderful, wonderful book. 31 chapters. I encourage everybody to find a month with 31 days and read one chapter per day. Read the whole book of Proverbs, especially our young people. Young people, if you want wisdom, you want to make right choices, right decisions, you can find wisdom in the book of Proverbs in those 31 chapters. We're at Proverbs 4 verse 23 today. The Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let, them, let thine eyes look right on, look straight ahead, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. Everybody say those six words. Ponder the path of thy feet. And let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left and remove thy foot from evil. Life is a journey. The Christian life is a walk. The Bible says, ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Sometimes I like to read it in another version. And another version says this, keep your eyes straight ahead and ignore all the sideshow distractions. Ignore all the sideshow distractions. Watch your step and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor left and leave evil in the dust. Remove thy foot from evil. Keep thy eyes straight ahead. Ignore all the sideshow destructions. My title today is Ponder the Path of Your Feet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, all Scripture is given by inspiration of You and is profitable. So as Your Word comes forth today, speak to us. Speak to our hearts. Lord, help us not just to be hearers, Lord, but doers of the Word also. Lord, help us, Lord, as the Word comes forth, Lord, to apply it to our lives. Lord, let Your Word be a light unto our feet and a, a, lamp, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord God, as we leave this place today, Lord God, and we go into our week, Lord, help us to apply what we've heard today. Help us to apply Your Word to our life day to day. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody say Amen. You may be seated. Ponder the path of your feet. Ponder the path of your feet. I want to tell you a story about a man named Vince. More than anything, more than anything, Vince wanted to be an evangelist. Vince was only 25 years old, and at the age of 25, he decided to devote himself to studying the Word of God and to ministering the Word to lost souls. He was passionate, Vince. It was this passion in the spring of 1879 that took Vince to the coal fields of southern Belgium. And he was there in southern Belgium in a little mining town that Vince outlined the rest of his life on the back of an old wrinkled envelope. He began to write his dreams as God began to speak to him. He began to write them down. 
Perhaps it was this young minister's total selflessness that first captured the respect of those people in that mining town, those old miners in that tiny Belgium village. Then there was a disaster in the mine. The mining is a very dangerous, very dangerous thing. And, and a number of the villagers, in fact, scores of the villagers were injured. No one fought harder for them than Vince. Day and night, Vince would go and he would nurse the wounded. He would feed the hungry. He would clothe the poor. After the rubble was cleared and the dead were buried and the sick were made well, the town took to him as their pastor. Every Sunday, Vince would be in the church and the church was overflowing as, as Vince passionately preached the gospel. An unassuming man preaching the word of God so passionately. He would dress, history tells us, in an old soldier's coat and trousers that were made of sacking. He took his meager salary and he went and fed the needy and continued to preach. But one day, everyone say one day, while ministering, there came a disagreement. There came an offense. Vince was offended and he ended up just walking away. Walked away from ministry, the calling and pursuit that he was so passionate about, he left it all. Reduced to nothing in just a matter of minutes because of an offense. There were long weeks of despair that followed and he seemingly just could not shake the depression. He could not shake the heartache and the way he felt. It had shaken his entire being. Vince lost his allegiance to God. He lost his devotion to the word of God. And soon Vince was just drifting through life. One afternoon, Vince was sitting there and Vince noticed an old miner who was struggling under a big bag of coal, a full sack of coal. And he saw this man laboring under the weight. And in that instant, something happened inside of Vince. A fire flamed inside of him. He began to feel passionate again. And so he fumbled through his pockets and that Dutchman pulled out an old tattered envelope. He pulled out a pencil and he began to sketch a picture of this miner carrying the load of coal. He's sketching away, not this, this time, not, not writing a sermon, this time not writing an outline, this time not writing a scripture. He began to sketch. He sketched the weary figure on paper just with his pencil on the back of an envelope. That day, Vince was to capture for the world the torment and the triumph and the dignity of the people that he lived with in that Belgium village. This was now sketching and drawing and painting had become his new passion. Yeah, he found a new job, but he sadly lost his ministry. The monumental ministry was never born. Why? Because the preacher became a painter. You know him as Vincent van Gogh, a man who was distracted by what mattered most. He got distracted from the most important thing. The preacher became a painter. What a ministry he could have had. Who knows? He could have been the answer to the, to the Netherlands. He could have been the answer to revival in Belgium. But the preacher became 
a painter. He was distracted from the thing that mattered most. And I believe today, I rise to this pulpit today to remind us about the danger of distraction. The most important thing, the greatest thing that you can do in this life, young people, older people, the greatest thing that you can do in this life is to be in the will of God. The most important thing, the greatest thing you can do is to be in the will of God. The most important thing you can do is to be faithful to what God has called you to do. Don't be distracted. Don't be drawn away from what God has called you to do. A lot of people talk about success. Let me tell you, the ultimate of success is being faithful to God. Success is not in the harvest. Success is in faithfulness. Success is being faithful to God, being in the will of God and trusting God. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35, And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, that you may attend upon the Lord, or that you may serve the Lord without, what's that word, without? Distraction. Now, what is distraction? What is distraction? We can learn what distraction is by breaking it into two words. Distraction. We have traction and distraction. The opposite of traction is distraction. We could argue, we could argue that if we look at the word traction and distraction, it comes from the same Latin word, trahea, which means to pull. So distraction and traction comes from the same root word, which means to pull. Traction, everyone say traction. When you get traction, by definition, traction is anything that pulls you toward where you wanna go. That's the, the last thing you want is when you're climbing up a mountain in a four-wheel drive, the last thing you want to do is start losing traction because those wheels are what are pulling you towards your destiny and your purpose, getting up that hill. But the moment you start losing traction, you start to slide down the hill. You start to go off course, distraction, pulled away from where you're going. And so distraction is anything that pulls you away from your destiny. Traction is anything that draws you and pulls you towards your destiny. And here is the reality today. A lot of times we can lose traction in the things that matter most. We start finding our wheels spinning. I know we're trying, but we've been distracted. We're, we've got no traction. Our wheels are spinning. We're no longer headed in the direction that we need to go. It's important that we are not distractions, distracted. You see, distractions aren't always sinful things. They're not always bad things. Distractions are anything that will pull us away from our purpose and our God-ordained destiny. Our distractions are anything in the world that causes us to start looking to the left or the right. We've gotta keep our eyes on Jesus. We've gotta keep our eyes on what He has called us to do. We've got a purpose in our heart that we wanna live in the will of God. We can't lose traction. We can't begin to let ourselves lose traction by being distracted and pulled away from our destiny. I can't help but tell you a story about losing traction because 
I was in Mizoram a number of years ago, and uh, we were going for a baptism. We had about 20 souls to be baptized there. And uh, in the mountains, in the very tropical areas, you'll know those that live there, is that the clay is very slippery and very sticky. They don't have dirt, they have clay. And so when it rains, it becomes very sticky. I remember walking to church once, Melanie was with me. We were walking down this hill and... uh, what happened with the clay is I got, I got clay on my feet and then the clay s- stuck to the clay. Before I knew it, the amount of clay on my feet was heavier than my boots. And Melanie's going down the same hill with, with uh, her, using her high heels sticking in to try and not slide down. But after church, we were going for a baptism. And so there was this place where a, a creek had run down between these two hills and it ran down and, and the village there had dammed the creek and made a pool. And the pool was used for everything, for washing, bathing. But today we're going to use it for baptizing people. And so I was with my, my good friend Daniel there, and we headed down to the baptism. And there were these tiny, it was, at a, it was a, in a bit of a, a plantation area, and these tiny little steps were cut. And I remember kind of sideways walking down these steps, and I could feel the, just the slipping. And it was at that point where I lost traction. And it was a big slope, probably about a hundred meter slope down the hill. I lost traction and on that slippery clay, I didn't just slide. My feet went out from underneath me. I've come down and I've hit my head on a rock. I broke my watch. I had blood coming all and I slid all the way down the hill and almost into the baptism water. (laughs) Now I was embarrassed, but they were more embarrassed. I had blood all down the side of my white shirt, covered in blood. My watch was broken. Nevertheless, we baptized them. But I remember as I hit my head, I blacked out. So I can't remember any of the rolling and the falling. I just remember waking up and everyone looking at me. What are we going to (laughs) do? Losing traction. Slipping. I was meant to be going one direction, but I started going another direction. It was dangerous. You see, I remember when I was a child, when the school reports would come in. Anyone remember when the school reports would come in? Oh, man. <laughs> in fact, I told my boys today, I said, if you want a good report, we're in, the, we're in the final term now. And the first couple of weeks of the final term, you've got to impress the teacher because they're writing the reports. <laughs> I learned that when I was young. Good morning, miss. Because <laughs> you've you got to know when they're writing the reports. <laughs> and all the kids are in Sunday school. They'll be fine. <laughs> But I remember one thing that the teachers would write that would cause my parents to be so upset. Didn't matter how good my marks were, but these words, he's easily distracted. (laughs) I remember my dad would lecture me. Now, what does this mean? I know he's a teacher. He knew what it meant. It meant that I was easily distracted from task, meant I was talking, misbehaving, trying to be the class clown. Let us not be people who are easily distracted. Somebody say amen. And so distractions, distractions are a natural part of life. Distractions are something that as we grow, we've got to learn to deal with them. Otherwise, in in normal life, we won't succeed if we can't deal with distractions. But how much more so in the Christian life? Jesus, in, Jesus told us, we, we are told to keep our eyes on Jesus. In the book of Hebrews, it says, We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run the race with patience. 
that he set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We can't be distracted. Somebody, I want to tell you today, we've got to ponder the path of our feet. We've got to be careful that we're walking in the will of God. We've got to be careful that we're walking according to the word of God. We can't afford to be distracted. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that will go that way. But the, the, the gate that leads to life, but straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find us, find it. The way to destruction is wide. The road is wide, the gate is wide, but the gate to, to eternal life, the gate to life in Jesus Christ is narrow. And so here's my point today. You don't just stumble onto the narrow way. You have to make sure you ponder the path of your feet. You don't accidentally just end up living for God. You just don't end up living a victorious Christian life. Nobody's just gonna kind of wake up and say, wow, I, I never realized, I just, I fluked it, I made it to heaven. You gotta ponder the path of your feet. You have gotta be deliberate, you have gotta be proactive. You have gotta make sure that your, all your ways be established. You have gotta make sure you're not distracted by the left or the right. You have gotta make sure you remove your foot from evil. It's not something that's just gonna happen accidentally. You don't just stumble into the narrow way. You ponder the path of your feet. And so, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world, but he lose his own soul, if he's distracted? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The words of Jesus come racing back to our mind when he said in Mark 9, verse 43, and if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. If your right hand offend thee, if your right hand is a distraction, you're better off cutting it off because it's better to go to heaven with only one arm than to go to hell with two. If your right arm becomes a distraction, cut it off. Now, he wasn't telling us to dismember our bodies, of course. He's using an example there. If your eye offend thee, pluck it out. I don't want anybody to pluck their eyes out. But it's more important that we are not distracted. It's more important that you go to heaven with, Jesus is saying it's more important to go to heaven with one eye than go to hell with two. Whatever distractions are in your life, put them aside. Turn not to the left or the right. Lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us. Walk on that narrow path. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. For it is better to thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands and to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. You see, I know sometimes these distractions can be close to home, as close as our eyes and our hands but no distraction is worth losing your salvation over. There was a, a story of a man, and my favorite act in the, in the circus is when the lions and the tigers would come out. And in the ACT, we're not allowed to have that. You gotta to go to Queanbeyan for that. But, <laughs> it's funny. But the lions and the tigers are my favorite act. You know, the music goes, it becomes suspenseful. The man comes running out into the ring with a whip and he's there all dressed up and, and they open the gate and the lions and the tigers come in. 
And there was one man, you can read the account in the newspapers. He, he was in there and he'd been doing this, this show for like 20 plus years. The same lions, the same tigers. He would go in there. The crowd would be ooing and ahhing as they jumped from, from box to box. And they did everything that the lion tamer did. But one day, one day that he got distracted. And one day that one of those lions came and put its, its mouth around his head and crushed his skull. He was later in hospital and somebody said to him, what happened that day? And his words were simply this, I simply became distracted. They said, what was it that distracted you? He said, I can't even recall what it was, but there was something in the crowd that took my attention for just a moment. You see, he experienced, he, he actually survived, but he experienced a, a near fatal distraction. And it was something so small that in hindsight, he couldn't even remember what it was. He said, I simply became distracted in a dangerous situation. Let me tell you, we're living in the last days. We cannot afford to allow ourselves to be distracted. You know, a lot of people, they, they drift away from God. And, and you go and talk to them and say, well, what was it that caused you to drift away from God and to backslide? A lot of them will tell you, I can't even tell you, Pastor. I can't remember. It was just something small. And I just, it just became something as you know, small and another little small thing. I can't even recall what it was. But now look where I am. Ponder the path of your feet. Ponder the path of your feet. Love not the world. 1 John 2 verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, you see, the love of the world can be a distraction. It's not that we're not meant to love people. It's not that we're not meant to love our families and, and nature. We can love those things, but don't love the system of the world, the ways of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, here, look at these distractions. The lust of the flesh. You see, sometimes the most dangerous distraction is our own flesh. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Everybody say distractions. It says, it is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes the way and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The lust of the eyes, things that appeal to the eye. I want it. The lust, the, the lust of the, uh, you know, it's so pretty. It's so nice. It's, it's so enticing. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. Oh, imagine how that would make me feel. Then the pride of life, oh, imagine who I could be. Imagine how intelligent I could be. Imagine how respected and powerful I could be. The pride of life. You see, Christians have always been and always will be, will be lured by those temptations. That's the way the devil is going to come against us. He doesn't need to change his tactics because they always work. Even in the garden, Eve perceived the fruit that it was good for food. The lust of the eyes. It was desirable for gaining wisdom, the pride of life. She coveted those things. Even with Jesus, Satan came and tried to lure him with power. Look, all these kingdoms you can have if you'll bow down and worship me. I'm here to tell you simply this. Ponder the path of your feet. You see, you will be tempted with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. The Bible tells us that when we're tempted in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, that when we are tempted, God will always give us 
a way of escape. That God will never allow any temptation to come against you that you cannot handle. And God will always give you a way of escape. I'm telling you today, I can't let any distraction come between me and God. Me and my walk with God. I can't let anything distract me from my relationship with God. I can't afford a spiritual distraction. I can't allow my foot to slip. I can't allow me to be stuck focused on the left or the right, but looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I've got to keep my eyes on Jesus. I want to live according to his will and his word. Somebody say amen. Distracted. In the last days, we've got to be careful of distraction. In Genesis chapter 19, verse 14, just an incredible, amazing story. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law. Lot goes out there and speaks to his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord is going to destroy the city. Lot goes and warns his sons, it's time to get out. God is going to destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. They thought that their father-in-law was just mocking and being silly. Oh, what a stupid thing. I heard, we heard that before. That dad just go away. And we know people like that. When we, talk about, when we talk about Jesus coming back, when we talk about the Bible prophecy being fulfilled, you'll find people like that, that all they do, they just want to mock. Whenever the conversation turns to the times and the events unfolding in the earth, you'll find them just with some sort of ho-hum sort of attitude, like, yeah, whatever, you know. And that's exactly how those sons-in-law were. Lot came and said, we've got to get out of here. God's getting ready to destroy the city. And they just had this attitude, like a careless attitude. And that Lot's son and sons-in-law have an attitude like a lot of people, even Christians have today. They willingly close their eyes and refuse to entertain the notion that things aren't just going to continue forever. And then this next passage, Genesis 19, verse 15. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot. The angels woke up Lot. They hastened him and, and they said, Lot, wake up your wife. Wake up your two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. The angels come and say, wake up. And while he lingered, he lingered. Everyone say he lingered. I wonder why he lingered. Maybe he didn't think it was going to happen. Maybe, maybe he was distracted. Maybe he had some other things he had to do. But while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him out and put him outside of the city. That's the mercy of God. While he lingered, he was distracted, but the angel of the Lord came and said, all right, you, you stupid man. Grab the family and put them outside of the city. That would be enough to wake up a few people, wouldn't it? And you just distract the thing. Oh, you know, it's cool. You know, it's all good, good. And then God goes, get out, out of here now. That would have been enough. Would have been enough for me, I'm pretty sure. Without a doubt, Lot, Lot knew that the city would be destroyed. That's why he warned his sons-in-law. He would have been gone to warn them if he didn't believe it. Yet on the eve of destruction, on the morning of destruction, we read 
that he was just of a casual attitude. He was distracted. The angels had to physically remove him from the city. One would think that an angel picking you up out of the city and putting you outside of the city would have been enough to wake you up. Look at this, verse 17 says, And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee. All right, look at this. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Go, get out of here. They were escaped. They were out of ground zero. Yet one of them, Yet one of them turned and started to be distracted by the, the good old days. In verse 26, it says, But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Everyone say distracted. It should have been enough. The fact that, that Lot, the husband, the father, the father-in-law had warned them. It should have been enough that on the day of destruction that the angel of the Lord literally physically took them out of the city. It should have been enough that the warning was to escape to the mountain. But as they were escaping, Lot's wife looked back. Yeah, you're completing my sentences. She became a pillar of salt. What was it? She was distracted. She turned back, warning after warning after warning, sign after sign after sign. But she longed for the good old days and she looked back. And then we go into the New Testament all the way to Luke chapter 17, verse 32. And we are told these three things. Remember Lot's wife. I should be able to preach those three words. Now you know the account. I could get up here and say, this is the message for today. Remember Lot's wife, now go home. That should be enough. Because if you know the account of Lot's wife, you know what happened to her. You know the danger of distraction. Remember Lot's wife because she became a proverb. She became a warning to every generation. A warning of the deadly consequences of being distracted. A warning of the deadly consequences of having a love for temporal things. Brothers and sisters, don't be distracted by temporal things. Get your eyes on the eternal things. Don't grow weary in well-doing because we will reap if we faint not. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep living for Jesus. Don't be distracted by temporal things. You see, temporal things, all these temporal things, the things that we think are so valuable, they're all going to pass away. Think of this, I'll make a modern day parable up here. But think about, you, you go to another town, it's, it's uh, the Christmas holidays, and you go to another town and you get yourself a one bedroom apartment for your family. You're gonna be having a wonderful week on the Gold Coast. You've got yourself a one bedroom apartment. So you arrive in Coolangatta Airport and you go straight to Harvey Norman because you're gonna be there for a week. And so you go to Harvey Norman and you go and start buying all the furniture in Harvey Norman because, you know, you're going to have, you've got your apartment for a week. 
And so you buy a nice buffet and hutch, you buy a bigger TV screen, you buy some bedside tables, you buy clothes to fill up the cupboards, you buy soaps and everything, and you're going to take them all. You got all this furniture, you get the removalist to come and bring it all because you're going to be there for a week. You fill your motel up with all of these things only to check out after a week. And a lot of people live their life like that. This life is but a vapor. We're not going to be here forever. Focus your things, your mind on eternal things, not temporal things. Don't fill the apartment with temporal things. You're going to be checking out soon. Life is but a vapor. Only what you do for Christ will last. Don't grow weary in well-doing. You can be distracted by all sorts of things. I'm not talking just about sin. Sin is the greatest distraction. But there are even good things that can distract us. When Peter was walking on the water towards Jesus, you know what the Bible says? When he saw the wind and the waves roaring, natural things, You see, the devil's not just going to come with the most obvious things. He will come with anything, even good things that aren't bad to distract us from what God has for us. If the musicians could come. Could it be that this man, Vincent van Gogh, might have been the key to revival in Holland? Could it be that Vincent van Gogh could have been the key to revival in Belgium? But we never know. Why? We, we don't know because he, started, he stumbled across a hidden talent. He stumbled that day as he saw that miner under the burden of that bag of coal. He stumbled across a hidden talent. Yes, a hidden talent, but something much less significant than what God had called him to do. It was a fatal distraction. It doesn't matter how long you've been serving God. Let me tell you today. It's about finishing the course. It's about finishing the course. Let's stand in this place today. And so maybe there's somebody here today. You know God has a plan and purpose for your life. You know God that God has saved you. He picked you up out of the miry clay. He put your feet on the rock. He gave you hope when you were hopeless. He gave you salvation when you were lost. He died on the cross for you. But some of us, maybe today, you can say, you know what, Pastor, I'm, I'm kind of like Vince. Maybe some of us here today have taken out that old envelope and started to sketch again. Started to sketch. Yeah, you, maybe you found a hidden talent. It's not a bad thing, but it's not what God called you to do. Ponder the path of your feet. Live according to the Word of God. Live according to to the will of God. It doesn't matter how long you've been serving God. None of us, none of us are immune from distractions. Luke 14 tells us an amazing story. It says the master prepared a great meal. He called and he sent invitations. He said, come and dine, come and dine. For everything is ready. Everything is ready. One man said, I can't come because I bought a piece of real estate. I've got to go and look at my real estate. Another man said, well, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I got to come. I can't come and dine. I'd love to, but I got to go out and train, train these animals how to plow the field. Got some other things I got to do. Another man said, yeah, I'd love to come, but you know what? I married a wife and I got to go spend time with my wife. 
You see, we're all invited to the master's table. But many people are distracted doing things that God never called them to do. What was it? Was it the devil? No. It was their busyness. It was their materialism. It was their flesh. Something took the priority of Jesus in their life. Maybe there's somebody here today who's gone back to sketching again. Maybe somebody today can say, Pastor, yes, I find myself just so focused on the temporal things all the time. I'm here today to tell you, ponder the path of your feet. Don't allow distraction in your life. Only what you do for Christ will last. And as we see what's unfolding in the world, it's, I'm not saying that the end times are going to be next week, but we're in the, the last of the last days. There's no time to be distracted. Don't be like Lot's wife. Don't turn back. Don't look back. Stay in the boat. Stay in the ark. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I know there's a lot of worries and things that we've got to worry, but the Bible says seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and He'll take care of all of those things. Can we lift our hands all across this place right now? Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's just lift our hands right now as the Word of God has gone forth today. Help us. Help us, Lord. Oh, God, keep us from being distracted that we would keep our eyes set on You, Lord God. That, Lord, that we would have a fresh revelation, Lord God, of the importance of seeking after the eternal and not the temporal things, Lord God. Lord God, help us, oh God. Lord, for those of us who maybe have pulled out the old envelope, started sketching again, maybe found a hidden talent, Lord God. But Lord, we know that You have called us for a purpose. You have called us, oh God, into the kingdom for such a time as this. Help us, oh God, to make You the center of our lives in everything. And Lord, we know that, Lord, where You are, there is blessing. Lord, we know where You are, there is provision. Oh God, help us not to turn to the left or the right. Help us not to turn back. Oh God, help us to ponder our feet today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, oh God, we thank You for Your Word. Hallelujah.